We're talking wide receiver bounce backs, optimal draft strategy, and historical distribution scores on this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's get it started. Hello everyone, you're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Squad QL. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined today once again by my co-host, Mr. Sean Siegel, the co-owner of Rotoviz. How are you doing today, Sean? Awesome, it's been a great week. We've had a ton of awesome content on the site. It's been really exciting today. We had Dave Cabin's auction report, which if you've been following along, uh, to Rotoviz Radio and in the Rotoviz flagship show, you know that Dave and, and Matt talked about the auction on on their show, and we have a, a bunch of other. We're not going to get to that article today. That one came out too recently for us, and, and it's been covered. But we've got a bunch of other great articles that we're going to cover. A lot of different player picks, draft strategy, and it should be the perfect show for all the drafts you have coming up this weekend. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping anyway. Uh, hoping to have a fun show. And you mentioned Dave and the auctions. Uh, if you haven't listened yet, uh, Dave went through it on the the road of his flagship, road of his radio, a couple of weeks back. It was a fun episode. He kind of had to teach uh, teach Matt some things about uh, the whole situation with the auction strategy, and uh, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, as we move into the show, I kind of teased it at the end of last week's show, uh, the road of his live, and it's coming this Sunday. Obviously, on Rotoviz Radio, we produce a lot of content each and every week, and there's a lot of work goes in behind the scenes. And this new show is Rotoviz Live, and it's going to be up there, and it's going to be exclusive to Patreon subscribers as well. It's a little way that you can kick back a little bit to the team here at Rotoviz Radio, and uh, the partnerships. Uh, the patronships start from just $5 a month and provide that exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. Myself and Dave Cabin will be doing the first show this Sunday at 11 p.m. Eastern. And that $5 a month gets you four of those live shows on top of the 40 podcasts a month that you get. So that's all that for just $5. So if you want, you don't have to, but if you do want to, we would really appreciate it uh, to become part of that community over there at Patreon uh, and help continue to grow the network uh, as we try and produce the highest quality industry-leading programming that we can. Uh, are you excited for the start, Sean, off the road of his live shows? I am, and maybe go into it a little bit more. Am I correct in thinking that you're going to be using Shindig, so you're going to have uh, it set up so the listeners, the people who are participating in this event, will be able to interact with you and Dave. They'll be able to pick your brain, pick his brain, uh, talk about some of the awesome tools that he's built and how that can help you and how it's going to help you on a weekly basis because he's got these awesome weekly tools coming out. Are these listeners going to be able to participate in the show, uh, perhaps even show up on the show uh, as you go through this live event? Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, so it's with Shindig, and I know we've been talking about it behind the scenes. And part of it, the Shindig project is quite exciting because uh, I've talked to them uh, on numerous occasions. We've kind of looked to see what we can do. And like you mentioned, people are able to interact. People are able to come on screen if they wish to ask the questions, to interact with the hosts. And you mentioned me, and I mentioned already Dave, uh, and Anthony Miko is going to be one of the kind of rotating uh, of the main panel of hosts. And then we're going to be joined by lots of different podcasters here on the network, as well as some of the writers. Maybe we'll even be joined by Mr. 
Mr. Siegel himself and Matt Freeman, depending on how schedules work out. But it's going to be something that's a lot of fun. I would imagine, too, that a lot of the guys that are part of the Rotoviz team uh, in general are going to be over there as well and trying to jump in and ask some questions. So I think it's just going to be a really fun thing. And it's that kind of thing. It's 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. It's going to help you with your DFS, help you with your weekly lineups. Throw all those questions at us for that hour and uh, we'll answer as many of them as we can in that time. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And as I mentioned, for $5 a month, it's pretty much one twenty-five a show on top of all the free podcasts. I think it's well, well worth it. Uh, and I hope to see a lot of our listeners there this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern when we kick things off. As well, obviously, you can get that 30% discount as well to the NFL Pass right now. And that is available through the NFL pod- Podcast homepage over there on rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The season is already here. Make sure you are ready. Gain access to all of them NFL content and tools over there you mentioned. Again, Dave is getting a lot of publicity at the start of this episode. Great tools this season from himself. So go on over, get that amazing value, and support the podcast network. Once again, that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. I also want to mention the FFPC. We've mentioned them here on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. There's just days left in the 2018 Fantasy Football Draft calendar. And allow me a brief moment just to tell you about the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The FFPC has a format to fit every diehard's interest and budget. If it's best ball, super flex, classic managed leagues, there are dozens of leagues filling daily from just $35 as the entry fee. As well, I mentioned the FFPC main event on last week's show. It is filling up quickly. There are over 1,400 diehards already signed up. Get your spot now. Don't miss out. Again, I mentioned as well, you can draft down in Las Vegas for the three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home. So make sure you don't miss out on that opportunity to play for the $250,000 grand prize. Sign up now and that is at myffpc.com. That is myffpc.com. So let's get into it. Uh, Sean, we're going to talk about wide receiver historical distribution scores and it's another piece. I, I, is Dave paying us for this episode? Uh, is he paying for sponsorship in this episode? <laughs> I think he might be. Yeah, we're going to be looking at the historical distribution scores for wide receivers, which means you go in, you look at his article, he's got the top 50 guys and what their sim scores look like for the following year. So you have someone like a Jarvis Landry, say, and he's got a set of comps, a set of players who had some, uh, particular results, a specific profile over one season, and then how do they do the following year? And Dave has, has broken this down and helped us visualize this so we can see the level that these players performed at the following year and how many of them performed at different levels. So you get a sense of, okay, well, five of Landry's comps did such and such the following year. Four of them did this. And it, it really lets you see what the range of outcomes are for these players. And as is always the case, you know, some interesting names pop up. So Colin, one of the, the groups that you picked out or pairings you picked out were Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, Obviously, that's a a newsworthy kind of situation there. Watkins has looked very poor in the first couple of preseason games. But the news today, again, the Chiefs are trying to really pump him up, saying that, you know, he's he's right on the verge. Uh, This this interaction between him and Patrick Mahomes, they're starting to get in sync. When you look at his distribution scores and those for Hill as well, what do you see? 
Well, when I look at Watkins, it's obviously very, very uh, worrying when you look at the historical perspective. Based on the range of outcomes, it looks like it's going to not be a big, big season coming his way. If you look, the majority of those are uh, in the lower end of the projections, under eight points being the expected average for the season. There is some comparisons, you know, with higher scoring, but again, they are on a very low scale. Uh, One and two across the board when you're looking into the high teens and none then averaging those 20 points a season when you look as well at hill it's similar but it looks a little bit better for him and you mentioned you know the uh, talk coming out from the chiefs and i just read it before we started the show i start to, like if i hear somebody's in players aren't doing good i pay attention when i hear when they're saying the players are doing better than you're seeing on the tape i tend not to pay any attention to that i think it's you know more just coach speak than anything coming out of camp over there in kansas city today so with tyreek there is some uh, hope on his side a lot more than i would have with watkins but i think again i mentioned it on a show a couple of weeks ago i think there's just too much uh to go around in this pie i don't think uh, you know patrick mahomes is going to be able to sustain as much uh, offense as people are expecting with the chiefs this season but when held and you mentioned that it stands out and i i had mentioned that previously uh, you know his highest comparison there have been five players in the past that have hit that 13 points a game uh, threshold over the season so again a 13 point wide receiver over a season that can be pr- uh, productive but if you're looking at where he's going in terms of adp it's certainly not looking like it's going to be a return on investment have you read anything different into those two guys than what i've kind of touched on there sean no i i think that certainly we saw that uh, highlight pass last week where mahomes outthrows the entire defense yeah you know you that can happen the, you look at the play and it, it looks like uh perhaps the defense quit but but in the end i mean they, they just ran that far and, and that fast and no other quarterback would be able to get the ball out there so i think there's very encouraging signs in terms of that connection but i still am buying kelsey and mahomes as the two ways to play that particular offense yeah and again if i was going uh, for one wide receiver i'd go the hell route because we've seen him over the last two years uh, produce a little bit more than what watkins has uh, produced in that time so i think uh, again i'm with you on that uh, i'm going potentially uh, with hunt and then the other two that i'm looking at uh, as you mentioned would be mahomes and kelsey how about golden tate he has a an hds um, in the top 12 and his ADP is around wide receiver 20. So this would suggest that he, you know, is at a discount to what many of his outcomes are going to be. When you look at the situation, though, I always think the most interesting uh, players to look at, positions to project, are the ones where we have different pieces of evidence pointing in different directions. So with Tate, we have all of the statistical information suggesting that he is a value at the same time the opportunity might not be there with all of the Kenny Galladay buzz that we also have. And, and certainly there were some notes about last week how Galladay and Marvin Jones uh, played over Tate in some two wide receiver sets. Is Tate a value because of what he's done the last several years? Or is that still a situation here where you really want to watch out because these three players are going to split the pie more than it looks like? Yeah, Tate, to me, at the moment strikes me as somebody who the value is there based on what he's done in past production but the concern is certainly there with what's going to happen in future production uh kenny galladay and the opportunities he had last year even in the preseason last year and then into the, po- the the actual season prior 
uh, to his downtime with the injury. It looked very, very good. Uh, Jones has looked quite good as well, but it's been in starts and stops at times with him. But I think the concern is the, the kind of tree-headed monster. I think all these guys are going to get the work. And with Golden Tate, a lot of his work tends to be the, the shorter work, and then he's looking for yards after the catch. As he progresses in age, is that going to continue? Something to certainly uh, keep an eye on. I think at the ADP of 20, I, I do think I've seen myself grabbing him in a few, a few spots uh, with that ADP. I think in PPR leagues, it's certainly... Uh, still the value is there but i think it's a value with a capped ceiling like i i think he's at probably where his finish i think he'll finish around that uh, adp of wide receiver 20 maybe between uh you know 15 and 20 but i can't see him breaking into that wide receiver one tier and finishing in the top 12 uh, that, that's the way i feel about golden tate for this season i think he's probably at his value at this exact moment in time the thing that could work out better for him and better for all three of them is the Lions run a lot of three receiver sets. And at the same time, they could see the lowest target share of any team in the NFL going to the tight end position. So if you're not losing those tight end targets, there's going to be more to go around for the receivers. Doug Baldwin is another guy that you were mentioning and uh, someone you were targeting everywhere for all of your rosters. But you got sort of the the dual whammy here where his HDS of 34 is a concern and now obviously he's having some health problems. The, I have to say when I look at the, the graph here in front of me it certainly is a, an absolute concern but what I think uh, the reason I've been going is just you know you have obviously Tyler Lockett up there there's, there's not a lot at tight end uh, you know there's not a lot of options in Seattle this year you have Russell Wilson who you're hoping that can he can kind of buy up and uh, help out some of these uh, pass catching options but my thing with Baldwin is, you know, even with the injury, it's pretty much nigh on impossible for him not to hit triple digit targets this year if he does stay healthy in the season. Based on that there and based on his ADP, especially since the ADP has dropped with the injury uh, is the reason that I continue to target him. I, I certainly am concerned about the, the historical uh, comparisons, but based on what uh, him and Russell Wilson have done in the past, uh, I'm willing to take that risk. And just based on the depth chart and what I see around him, I think the risk is still uh, something that I'm willing to take for 2018. Yeah, and and certainly you can come back and, and get Tyler Lockett late. I think that's what my preference would be there. How about Brandon Cooks? We have him as another red flag candidate uh, with an HDS of... 18 which ranks 27 so uh, that's what his score is based on dave's system he has the ranking of 27 he's got an adp at wide receiver 19 and then at the same time we have a situation where robert woods scores very well in this system is getting some good buzz and then you've got this potential secondary breakout from cooper cup who is getting fantastic buzz so is there enough to go around here is brandon cooks just a complete hands-off where he's being drafted uh, for me personally he's a, a hands-off he's somebody i've i've always seen what he's been able to do with the saints and even with the patriots but he's always been somebody who like he's rarely been on my fantasy rosters any season that he's been in the nfl and like i obviously know what he can do with the you know with big plays but based on what i expect consistency he doesn't uh, filter into a lot of my lineups uh, i pr- i could pretty much i'd be surprised of all the teams i've ever drafted if i had him on 10 teams and that's a lot of teams that i've drafted since he's come into the league but it's not just on him it's just on the the rest of the options around him and those situations as well the other years but you mentioned woods and you know i was all over woods last year and dfs uh, just 
had a phenomenal kind of mid-season spell uh, when he was healthy. Cooper Cup is somebody who's very interesting, obviously, coming out of college. The, the downside on him was obviously a little bit about the athletic profile and then with the older age group. And uh, we've heard on a, a couple of the Rotovis shows uh, recently that people's opinions have kind of started to change around on it. And I know Kevin Cole was quite big on him uh, this time last year uh, when he was here at Rotovis. And I just think that Cup and Woods are very, very good values. And if I'm picking from the three of them, I'm, I'm very happy to pass on Cooks and take either of those other two uh, in those mid-rounds mid of the draft. And uh, I'm very, very comfortable with that. Are you are you jumping aboard on Cooks on any any drafts or are you waiting for the other two guys? No, and, and I sold him in Dynasty as well. It's not that Cooks will suddenly go from being a borderline wide receiver one to an afterthought he's still going to be a good player he's still going to score points for you but there are cheaper ways to play this wide receiving core and i think that you want to make sure when you have those other options that you take the least expensive route uh, in this situation and uh with that sean i'm just interested on the rams they're a team that i've pegged for uh, a regression this year i think most people probably think they're not going to be quite as good as they were in 2018 but or in 2017 rather but do you think there's a strong regression coming from or do you think they can somewhat maintain what they did on offense last year i think when you look at specific players there are always those possibilities for uh, either less volume or not quite as explosive efficiency you're going to have some things changing around but i don't see the offense as a whole taking a big step back i think that this will be one of those teams that builds sort of a long-term strength at the offensive position right so you know you have a good coach you have a developing quarterback you have a lot of depth across the offense and i think that when an offense is not in a position to be uh, destroyed by a single injury or even a couple of injuries now clearly you know if you lose your quarterback it always makes it much difficult more difficult although we saw a team last year win the super bowl <laughs> with, a, with a backup qb and, and i think that you know the rams and the eagles are are similar there in that they're potentially going to be these next teams that become what the patriots have been that become what the saints have been that doesn't mean that the saints you know always win the super bowl they they just had that one clearly the the patriots even though they seem like they're there every year you know you don't get all of those titles but what you're trying to do as a team and i think what both of those organizations have done is position themselves now to be constantly in that final grouping and you know to get there they're going to have to to keep that offense um fired up scoring those points and i think that cooks you know we look at him as a little bit of a fantasy sell but for reality purposes he's going to be a great fit in that offense yeah i think so he probably is uh, like uh, the offense i think could potentially this year be uh, very beneficial to them and the nfl but as a fantasy entity it's gonna be interesting i've been kind of in my drafts if i've had that early pick you know pick one or two i've been hoping to hit on todd Gurley. then after that there i've been kind of waiting then uh, and just waiting it all the way out i've even i've picked up uh, higby in a couple of uh, late tight end picks uh, but outside of that it's kind of the the two later wide receivers uh, and seeing what happens the rest of the way so i already know that you listen in to our podcast on a weekly basis to get yourself an advantage ahead of the competition in all your leagues do you want to get an unfair advantage against all of your teammates and dominate in your fantasy football league well look no further than squad ql you can download the mobile app and that is all you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players and free agent pool available to you. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? 
The app connects directly to your Yahoo, ESPN, or CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league's scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week. And it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app for the fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com to download the SquadQL app. Your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free on both Apple and Android. Go get yourself that advantage. So the next topic up is uh, doing your optimal draft strategy pretty much and it's up there with the road of his tears thanks to Kevin Zaluka and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this Sean's quite interesting having a read through it during the week and uh, being able to spotlight it here so with the draft strategy uh, you're pretty much uh, trying to reverse engineer your draft but everyone obviously wants to have the optimal draft but what's your thoughts on the optimal draft strategy and how to go about it? So what he's done here is take the road of his tears, which we did as a, a road of his project with the writers, um, six different people contributing to those. And then he applied the projections from the players across the tier so that he would have an estimate for a half dozen or so players that should be more stable and less error prone than relying directly on their projections. And then with those values, he took ADP and he ran simulations to see who would be available and who would be the best pick in any given round and also gave us a little bit of a roster construction by round so that we could see which positions the computer liked taking early on. And so this was interesting because the computer recommended mostly taking running backs in round one with, not surprisingly, a couple of those top wide receivers being mixed in there. But in round two, it liked running backs exclusively. How does this fit with the drafts that you've been doing so far? Yeah, well, that's the part that probably doesn't. I'm obviously not doing the optimum strategy at the moment, John. Uh, you know, I've pretty much uh, been going with uh, wide receivers or Rob Gronkowski in round two. So I've been kind of, if I'm at the late end of that first round, uh, I'm going uh, pretty much wide receiver, wide receiver, unless uh, one of those uh, late uh, running backs can fall to me. But uh, most of my second round picks have all been uh, wide receivers, or else, as I mentioned, Gronk. So. Uh, I, I haven't been falling into that. Have you been going uh, and have you been exclusively running back in the second round? I have Gronkowski a lot in round two with the wide receivers perhaps not being quite as appealing in the second part there and just structurally trying to stay away from running back to an extent. But one of the things that's different about this season uh, and how it contrasts with what I've always said with your running back and one of the reasons why you do want to avoid running backs really from, say, you know, pick four all the way through the third or fourth round is that you lose so much value in those running backs. You don't want to chase the points. You want to go in a different direction and attack it in a way where you can be strong in specific parts of your roster. But 2018, I think, is a little bit different in that we do have some very appealing running backs in that group. You've got guys like Leonard Fournette. You've got someone like Dalvin Cook, who you know now he's looking at this potential uh, mild timeshare with Latavius Murray. But Cook is someone with a hybrid profile who you know, very quickly we could see uh, a year from now being a top five pick, you know, having those rushing yards, having those receiving yards. And then certainly um, in the second half of round two, but even if I'm looking at a running back earlier, Christian McCaffrey is someone where I think it's almost a giveaway in round two. Uh, I mentioned on the road of his uh, message boards the other day that I'm certainly not predicting a Marshall Falk 2001 kind of season, but I think that 
McCaffrey has that style of play in him. Now, you know, whether or not the Panthers offense will support that is a different story. And and the offense, you know, makes a huge difference. We saw that with Todd Gurley 2016, Todd Gurley 2017, you know, the two very uh, ends of the spectrum there. But McCaffrey is this guy where a lot of people really want to pigeonhole him as a Darren Sproles type. And, and that's not a criticism. Darren Sproles is a fantastic player, uh, someone who finished as a top five running back in fantasy once. Uh, but I think we're going to see him blow beyond that this year. So if you're saying draft a running back like that in round two, I'm all in on it. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a solid possibility. When we go through and look through the, the different tiers, just looking at it, you mentioned it's pretty much, it's all, in fact, uh, running back round two, then uh, round three is pretty much all wide receiver, except for a little bit of tight end in there. But it's kind of even enough then throughout the rest of it until we start to get the you know quarterbacks going in the ninth and tenth round. And uh, really and truly, I don't think anyone at this stage should be looking, unless you're taking Rodgers at some point, uh, we should be waiting on those quarterbacks. But uh, it's it's very, very interesting uh, to see how it's broken down. And it does fit with a lot of my drafts outside of that uh, one uh, bit where I mentioned the running backs in the second round. It's pretty much exclusive for me that it's not been running backs. When we look through some of the players, Sean, uh, you know, there's some guys that we've talked about here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we talk, I talked about, you know, Jarek McKinnon and the, the situation around him and if he can kind of sustain a workload based on what we're expecting from this year. Stefan Diggs, who's a long-time road of his favorite in round three. Uh, you know, you've mentioned before that he reminds you of Antonio Brown. So there's just like there's so many good prospects there for Diggs. Obviously, he's working with Thielen as well. We have to work to see if they can uh, all coincide and get the the fantasy points this year jarvis landry who we talked about a couple of weeks ago came up in round four and then will fuller who i know dave caven is a big fan of duke johnson somebody who i like a lot but the next one then is uh jack doyle who's popping up there in round nine and i know a lot of people are talking up the opportunity that he's going to have this year uh, with the Colts with andrew not coming back to health but with him landing on that um, he's somebody who when he's there in drafts i have taken him on a number of occasions but it's really not falling around uh, where i'm tend to be picking he's going to go in that 8 to 10 range but i've been tempting as i mentioned already to go for gronk early in round two or else kind of trying to get uh, delaney walker or jimmy graham in six or seven if they happen to be there and then if i don't get them i tend to be waiting then to kind of that 11th 12th or later round and i've been picking up guys like austin safarian jenkins uh, austin hooper and ben watson and i think ben watson could be interesting this year although he's pretty much one of the oldest players in the nfl uh, you know over the last couple of seasons he has put up productive numbers later in his career and he's going back to an offense that he's familiar with with drew Brees and the new orleans saints so he's somebody i think is a bit of a value but are you landing in that jack doyle range a lot is it you know david and joku's in there uh, you know kettles in there but for me i'm kind of not really picking tight end in that spot uh, is that somewhere where you're going tight end yeah no i'm i'm still a, an early tight end guy i think that if you can get the advantage of that tight end position it really just gives you an extra spot in your lineup uh, from which you can attack your opponents and and my approach is not so much to make sure we get so much early season value out of wide receiver and running back uh, that you have this redundancy you want to build that through you want to maximize your starting lineup and uh, maximize the upside for that starting lineup late in the season which i think you know that early tight end gets for you so you know, you have Gronk, you have Kelsey, you have Ertz, and certainly I think uh, people who've been watching what the Bears are doing, you know, you have Trey Burton there. I think those are going to be my targets, but this this draft, it's it's a very good draft. Like you said, it's got a lot of our favorite guys. Uh, Will Fuller is, is on the, my list of, of players poised to crush 
ADP, you know, Duke Johnson is on this year running back target list. Uh, you know, that type of player can can get there pretty frequently. So my boy Marquise Lee's there. <laughs> it we we slipped it out there on on a Saturday morning and it very quickly became the most popular post on the site. So you'll you'll certainly want to check that out. Yeah, I'll have it also tagged in the description for this show, but it's a, a very, very good piece there. And, uh, you know, the first 11 rounds gives you an interesting perspective uh, because a lot of people, you know, you go in, if you're not really focused on your drafts, I know our road of his listeners know kind of the story at this stage, but if you go into a draft and a lot of people talk with the first two, three rounds, who they're going to get in those rounds, those rounds, you know, at the end of the season mightn't actually have that much impact because if you're going on those they'll obviously have an impact but if you're going zero rb or you're trying to get those players in the mid to later rounds or if you're drafting in the ffpc like i know i am in a lot of leagues recently and you're drafting 28 rounds you need to know who's going to be like you know once you get past round 18 you need to know what you're going to be drafting so it's good to have that kind of uh, perspective that you're trying to plot it out piece by piece but i thought it was a very very fascinating read and uh, i really enjoyed that one yeah, so let's go on to the fourth quarter here, and uh, we can't do the fourth quarter without having a Blair Andrews citing uh, his most recent article uh, in the series, The Wrong Read. It's number 46, and and if you haven't read all 46, then you're really missing out on some of the fundamental uh, elements of fantasy football here. This one was perfect because I think it touches on a topic uh, about which there is a lot of misunderstanding and where people really get into traps and perhaps waste a lot of value in their draft. And that's trying to pick the bounce back wide receiver. And so Blair has gone and investigated and looked at these bounce back wide receivers and tried to explain what things uh, help you project when a player is going to bounce back and which ones don't. And just talking about the likelihood of receivers to bounce back in general. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the piece uh, as a whole, and you mentioned like the wrong read, 46 in uh, at the moment, but it's just uh, like it's a weekly read for me that I just do not miss out on. It's one of the, I think it's up there with anything that you'll find in the fantasy industry at the minute. There's always something very insightful in there. And when you look at it, uh, you know, what he has put into it for, what leads to these bounce back and his projections, he was kind of, he thought there might have been actually more people or players that would have appeared on the list, but based on the age, the production, uh, the and the efficiency of those players uh, and then if you're looking at players who scored at least 150 points in 2016 and then maintained a, po- a positive efficiency last year there's only a, a list of nine for the 2018 bounce backs at wide receivers off that list uh, that he actually narrowed it down to here's the names on the list it's amari cooper alan robinson jordan matthews who has since been released by the patriots so we can take into that with the injury that he has and what you will kind of narrows the list possibly even down further for us already odell beckham tyrell williams kelvin benjamin richard matthews ty hilton michael crabtree what was your overall takeaway from the piece and were you expecting there to be possibly more names in there or you know it's, it's interesting to see that it's carved down to just that list well starting off it's something where we look at the list and realize there are a lot of players who declined. And that's something that Blair has talked about in some of his other articles, which is that veterans tend to decline. You know, we, we have this idea of veterans reaching this sort of peak age and peak time period and that they are relatively consistent throughout that stretch. And it's, it's simply not true. The other issue, I think, is that when players then suffer the decline, they don't bounce back as often you as you would think and so what Blair has done this is he has taken all of the wide receiver seasons in which a player scored 150 or more points and then looked at the 50 point declines and then studied which players 
were able to bounce back to 90% of that. So it's not necessarily a full bounce back because some of the reason that people decline in the first place is simply that their performance in any given year was unsustainable. But you're looking at a 90% bounce back. And what he found is that players don't bounce back that often. So he's looking at age, looking at performance, looking at injury and looking at efficiency. So you have four different elements here and the results were surprising. And age definitely comes into play. You know, Blair was talking about this. You have um, younger players do better, but perhaps not to the level he was expecting. So he's saying even wide receivers entering their age 24 season bounce back at a rate of less than 30%. And by a time a wide receiver reaches age 27, the rate is 20% and it hovers between 10 and 20% for basically the rest of a receiver's career. And so, you know, again, we're, we're seeing these bounce back rates are low and then they drop. Another interesting thing that he found is that the players who had larger production in the years before the decline bounce back better. And again, this is somewhat intuitive. <laughs> and Blair writes that um, if it sounds like I'm just saying that good players tend to bounce back more often than bad players, that's because it is what I'm saying. And so, you know, you've got you, you've got some fun information there. And certainly I think people understand this to an extent. If you have someone who uh, is scoring 270 points, you know, falls down, uh, you know, that player is someone you can count on more than someone at the lower end of the scoring scale. We see that with the breakouts as well. The br- guys who break out to 270, 280 points, uh, those guys do better in, in future years than players who are breaking out maybe just around the wide receiver two uh, threshold, that level there. But, you know, I won't, we won't spoil everything for you, but they have a couple other cool things in here where efficiency and injury factor in as well in ways that you might not expect. Yeah, and when we look at like the players uh, from last year that just stand out straight away with Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham, both injured last year. Uh, you know, T.Y. T. Hilton, uh, Andrew Luck was injured last year. You know, there's a lot of things going into it. It's interesting to see both Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree on it because they were both Raiders last year. There's quite a number of these players too have switched teams uh, and Crabtree. You also have Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, and Jordan Matthews is obviously changing around, but and he's without a team at the minute. Then you have Alan Robinson who changed teams as well. So it's a real combination of stuff going on in this one. Richard Matthews too in the preseason looks to you know we struggling with an injury, but there's no real uh, reports coming out on what it actually is. So it's it's really uh, fascinating reading. There's some other players I think we should be cautious about uh, that declined by at least fifty points in 2017 that didn't make the list. That's Jordy Nelson, Pierre Garcon, Mike Evans, and Emmanuel Sanders. If you're listening to Matt Kelly on with uh, the guys on Rotoviz Radio uh, this week, uh, you'll know what their thoughts are on Mike Evans <laughs> for the 2018 season. So uh, we're going to kind of jump into it now, go a little bit of rapid fire and talk about the players that we think might bounce back. So let's jump into overtime. Overtime. So the first guy in overtime bounce back or doesn't bounce back? Colm, who do you have? What do you have for Amari Cooper? Yeah, Murray Cooper at the moment, he's been drafted as wide receiver 15. It's still amazing that he's just uh, 24 years old, uh, you know, just turned 24 in June. So uh, in terms of age, so, so young. Uh, 2017 was his worst season as a pro by a long, long way. But the drops were a concern for him. His red zone percentage of conversions was a problem. Uh, but when you look at what he'd done so far in his career, 2015, 72 catches, 1,070 yards. 2016, 82, yard, or 82 catches, 50, or 1,153 yards, sorry. And then if you look at last 
last year, just the 48 catches, 680 yards. His average uh, reception has been very consistent throughout uh, with 14.2, but he still had seven touchdowns last year, you know, as much of a disappointment as it was when we talk about his red zone inefficiencies. He had six the year before and five the year before that. So he has a touchdown there. He has the upside for me to be the potential wide receiver one overall in fantasy this year. Uh, I think, uh, so <laughs> if I say he has that potential, I think I have to throw him in with a, a bounce back. <laughs> Sean, I'm going to throw one to you here, and it's uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin is not going to bounce back. In part, I have to say this because I am marginally more enthusiastic for Corey Coleman and Zay Jones than most other folks. So I'm going to give that wide receiving group a little bit more of a chance to uh, create some target pressure. But mostly, I think when you were a forced volume player, as a rookie, your entire resume is based on Cam Newton forcing you the ball. And then you go and say, well, Cam Newton was the problem. Uh, I think that you were done. <laughs> Call him Allen Robinson. Bounce back, doesn't bounce back. Uh, he's a wide receiver 21 in terms of ADP at the moment. I'm not certain what the Bears have with Trubisky. It's a very small sample size for him, even based on his college. Uh, I think they have an uptick in offensive weapons and coaching, but I'm not sold on Trubisky. The Jags uh, career for Robinson was based mostly in garbage time, so I think it could be similar with the Bears. But coming off the injury, uh, I own him a lot of dynasty rosters, but at his current ADP, he's somebody who I'm uh, passing on. Sean, Emmanuel Sanders, one of my all-time faves, Manny Sanders. Give me your thoughts, bouncing back or not? So Sanders, again, not bouncing back. Sanders is an interesting player because uh, I think that we all want him to be the bounce back. He still has a solid ADP. Uh, but he comes up with multiple red flags in the study that Blair has done here. And I think that when you factor that in with the competition that you're going to get from Cortland Sutton, they've got some other young receivers who are a little bit more interesting. There's going to be more pressure on the targets this season, not just going to be Sanders and Demarius Thomas. I do think that offense functions much better with Case Keenum, but when you're drafting Sanders in that range, you still have to draft him even after the down year. Uh, there are other options you should look at at those levels. Call him Jordy Nelson. Bounce back does not bounce back. Yeah, it's hard to have him and uh, Cooper both bounce back. So I've already hit on what I think with Cooper. Uh, I think the offense could, uh, you know, make an improvement this year. But I think changing offense could work against him. His age as well. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation uh, last year wasn't good for him, but Derek Carr as well wasn't efficient either. So uh, I, I've taken Cooper. You know, with what I expect uh, to happen this year. So I, I really can't have huge projections for Jordy Nelson. I think he'll outperform his current ADP, which is wide receiver thirty six. But I do think that his ceiling is capped at a wide receiver too. So I think there's a possibility of a solid season, but he's he's not somebody who's going to you know go and uh, really tear things down in 2018. Uh, somebody who I mentioned there has had uh, injury issues kind of this preseason, and somebody who I've liked uh, since his time even in Miami is Richard Matthews. But uh, with what's happening there with Corey Davis and that, I'm not too excited this year, Sean what are you expecting for uh richard matthews and 28 i'm gonna sell this one as well matthews has been a guy we've always liked he probably should have gotten an earlier chance uh, with the dolphins before he moved to the titans gets that breakout but one of the things that we see with late breakouts they don't hold their value as well he's now in the red flag list uh you know, again, a situation where is he going to bounce back? You know, we, we have this issue with perhaps it was a contract negotiation. Maybe he is completely healthy. But with Corey Davis there emerging, Delaney Walker still set the possibility of, you know, deep targets going to Taylor. There's not going to be enough target volume in that offense. The Titans are going to regret paying him. 
I right, call him another veteran, Pierre Garcon. Bounce back doesn't bounce back. It always hurts me, like you mentioned, Matthews from players, or Manny Sanders as well. Players that I really liked, I think, that are just not going to be able to do it anymore. And Pierre Garcon falls into that category as well. I've been, uh, you know, I think I was pumping up good one pretty much before... Uh, <laughs> before anyone in this offseason and uh, obviously that drum beat has got louder and louder and louder and uh, he's probably starting to get a little bit too expensive at this point but uh, that doesn't mean that Garcon won't bounce back you know but I, I don't think that he's going to do any more than his ADP which is wide receiver 37 at the moment I see him as kind of a wide receiver 3 slash 4 uh, and with that there's really no chance of a, of a bounce back for him uh, the last one here, Sean, is Mike Evans. I mentioned uh, there were some flames on on the on the podcast this week with Matt Kelly uh, when he was on with uh, Friedman and with Cabin. But uh, your thoughts on Evans? Do you disagree with them? I should go the opposite direction just so that we can <laughs> really have a good conflict. Build up some beef. Um, yeah, with the flagship <laughs> show. However, I'm also going to sell this one. Uh, too many other candidates there at the same time that they do not have a legitimate quarterback also uh, franchise just in disarray i think if you want to go with a player there you know go for the breakout uh, yeah mike evans i've i've sold in dynasty you know hopefully at the end of the season there'll be a chance to buy back you know would love to see him have a 15 20 touchdown season but the buccaneers are gonna have to really turn some things around to get there and I also want to mention just before we wrap things up, uh, we did touch on it last week with the zero RB lists and we had uh, three lists coming out from Sean all the way from five to 10, 10 to five, and then from five to one and a uh, fantastic piece. And, uh, you know, there's been lots of great content up on the site, uh, the third year breakouts as well. And you've also had on the tree free handcuffs, Sean, that uh, published, uh, I think it was today or yesterday. So is there anything and uh, those that you want to head on before we wrap things up? No, head on over to the site, check those articles out. But more than that, check out uh, the Target Leader series, the Rushing Carry Leader series, a Court Smith series, uh, where he asks, you know, why you should draft this player when you can get the same player three or four rounds uh, cheaper has been an absolute reader favorite. People are flocking to that in droves. So check those things out and good luck in your drafts this weekend. This This is the big one, I think. And with that, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. This has been Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Mr. Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. I mentioned earlier in the show as well, the Patreon. It is starting this Sunday. Myself and Dave Cabin will be jumping on there to answer your questions, have some fun. So get on over. Don't miss out. Sign up on Patreon. Get on to the Rotoviz Live. It's going to be a lot of fun over there so check that out this sunday 11 a.m eastern that'll be running each sunday through the nfl season and of course leave us that written and review on itunes it does help a lot and we do appreciate it greatly and until we're back with next week's show of course have a good one thank you for listening to rotoviz overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Overtime. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.